0: Welcome to Grace in 30 on WERALP, Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Mellick, and I'm joined by my co-host Sal Dietry. Sal, you excited about tonight? Ed, tonight
1: we kick off Military Month on Grace in 30, all month of May, featuring members of our military, who are called to serve God and country. What an honor, this is gonna be a great month for us. Tonight we're honored to be joined by former Army Chief Technology Officer, Mr. Rick Pena, who in addition to 25 years of distinguished service, is the co-founder, along with his wife Isabella, of the Rick and Isabella Pena Ministries. A lot to talk about tonight. Rick, welcome to Grace in 30.
2: Well, thank you very much, I am honored to be here.
1: Look, did you ever think growing up in, in Brooklyn, uh, uh, your parents came from the Dominican Republic, that you would rise to become the CTO of the Army? Tell us about, you know, just what brought you into the U.S. Army.
2: Oh, that's an interesting uh, question. Uh, so the answer, but first of all, no, I never thought that. So, <laughs> so growing up in Brooklyn, my, my mother came to this country in 1970, um, she was uh, uh, only I think one of three people from my family in the country at the time. I was born in 1972, so I'm the first of my family to be born uh, in the U.S., and uh, so my family let me know early that I was the American in the family. So I was too American to be Dominican, and then my friends growing up in Brooklyn let me know that I was too Dominican to be American. So so I kind of just didn't fit uh, in the mold, per se, but I didn't have a pattern. I didn't have a, an example of what it was to be an American. Um, because I was the first in my family to to be an American. So uh, I just kind of, I knew I I wanted to do something. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I I, I grew up in a very uh, challenging environment. East New York, Brooklyn uh, at the time in the 1970s and 80s was the murder capital of the murder capital. Mm. Uh, So it was a very uh, challenging environment. It was lots of violence, drugs, uh, that kind of thing. And so what I wanted to do really was get out. Um, I had a cousin who came to the U.S., uh, who was in, uh, in a military-type program in the Dominican Republic, and he asked me one day, he said, hey, I, I wanted to be in, uh, in the Army in the Dominican Republic, but now that I'm in the U.S., maybe I could join the U.S. Army. I was a senior in high school at the time, and so he called me. Uh, my, my cousin said, hey, can you call a recruiter for me? And I I called the recruiter, and I said, hey, um, I have a cousin who wants to join the Army. The recruiter was, hey, like, awesome. Uh, And I said, but he doesn't know English. So, I mean, how's that gonna work? He said, well, if he doesn't know English, he can't join the Army. And I said, okay, well, thank you. And before I hung up the phone, he said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs>
1: How about he you? Said,
2: he said, but you know English. I said, yeah. I said, yeah, I know English, but I'm not joining the Army. And, uh, uh, and then, you know, th- that, that's the rest of the story, of course, is he came and got me. And one thing led to another. A few months later, I was in the U.S. Army.
1: It must have been God's will because, man, what a distinguished career. I mean, you were the first CTO of the Army and paved the way for, for other CTOs that have followed. I want to jump ahead here to first time you published Today's Word. You had eight subscribers. You were out there ministering the gospel really for the first time. Tell us about your call to, to Jesus and, and your inspiration uh, to start Today's Word. In
2: 1995, I gave my life to Christ. I was 23 years old. Um, I didn't really know much uh, about anything. I, I didn't know any scripture. I didn't know John three sixteen, But what I did know is that um, I had been seeking God all my life. And, and I heard people say, oh, you know, or ask the question, are you saved? I didn't know what that was. Um, there was a guy in my unit. I was 23 years old. Let me just back up before I get into that at 25. So I was a uh, staff sergeant in U.S. Army. I went from uh, E1 through E6 very fast. I was a staff sergeant at 22 years old. I was always a hard charger. I was National Honor Society in high school. I I kind of, by God's grace, I didn't know it was God at the time, but I I, I excelled at everything that I did. Uh, But the nagging question for me was this relationship with God. I, I pursued God all my life, but I didn't really know Jesus. So there was a guy in my unit, Leo Jacobs, who kept, talking to me about god and he was we were both the same rank but it was obvious that we were not the same it, it, there was something about him that just drew me to him and he was not ashamed to tell me that it was jesus so so he told me about god he, he invited me to his his church and i went and um i had been in church all my life but that night august 27 1995 I saw people for the first time worship God in earnest. I I, I saw people cry out to God. I I saw people cry tears. I saw people worship God with their entire being. Mm. Um, And I knew that I didn't have that. So I don't know what I had, but I know I didn't have that. And so that night uh, when the pastor asked, Uh, for the altar call, you know, for people to come down. I'm from Brooklyn, so I'm like, I'm not going down there. If that guy touches me, (laughs) lays hands on me, I might punch him in the face. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. But I'm sitting in the back of this small chapel in Camp Doha, Kuwait, and I I, I, I literally just sat back there. I didn't go to anybody. I, I just got on my knees, and I said, God, I don't know what this saved thing is that these people keep talking about, but what I do know is that I don't have it, and I want it. Will you save me? And, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to explain it. You know, it's just unless you're saved, you don't know how to explain it. You know, it's just is unexplainable. At that moment, I knew I was saved. That moment, I knew I was different. That moment, I knew I was going to heaven. That moment, I knew I would never be the same. That moment, my life changed forever. And so. Um, that night, we went over to a place in uh, Camp Doha, Kuwait. It was about 10 p.m. by now uh, to this place called Uncle Frosty's where you could get hot dogs and hamburgers. And uh, Jake Leo Jacobs, who is still my friend to this day, uh, came around and said, hey, thanks for coming to church tonight. And I said, hey, um, I got saved tonight. And so he kind of looked at me strange, you know, it was like, well, I didn't see you come to the altar or anything like that. I was like, no, 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 dude. I mean, I'm serious. I got saved. So I told him what happened. He could tell, you know, the conviction on my face that I was really serious. And I said, no, I'm telling you, I'm saved. I'm saved. I got saved. He was like, okay, I believe you. And so, <laughs> and so I said, well, Jake, what do I need to do? Um, I, I and, and this is true story. I said, I mean, I've been saved for minutes. I said, I don't know how to be average. Uh, everything I've ever done, I've done it all the way. So... What do I need to do? What do I need to get?" He said, well, if you're really serious, you need to get a study Bible, you need to get a Vines Expository for Hebrew and Greek, you need to get a Strong's Concordance, you need to get, you know, uh, all these things he told me. I said, well, where can we get it? Um, And uh, he said, the only place to get it in Kuwait is at the National Evangelical Church of Kuwait. It was called The Neck. And uh, so, true story, 9 a.m. the next morning, Rick Pina and Leo Jacobs drove down to The Neck and bought all that stuff. Five months later, I taught my first Bible study. Before I left Kuwait, I preached my first message, and I've been preaching ever since. Yeah, and I
1: want to get into this ever since because a big part of what you do every every morning when most of us are, are still asleep, um, maybe some are even coming home from the bar, is you're up crafting today's word, which you've been doing. I'm going to get this date right. December 2013, the 4,000th today's word that you guys put out. Uh, talk to us about today's word and what goes into that. And your daily message, because that's about, uh, you know, you were saved, but you're saved every day, it seems like. Because today's <laughs> word is is every day you've been doing it for, for years.
2: So five days a week, yeah. So in 1997, December 1997, the, the Lord told me to put his word in people's email inbox. So I don't know if you can remember 1997, mm-hmm. but in 1997, not a lot of people did email. So I didn't have a lot of people that did email, so I, I got eight of my friends. And I started with eight friends, uh, and I started doing today's word. I would get up, seek God, get in front of the computer, say, okay, God, what what do you want me to say? And then he would tell me what to say. I would write it, and it started a a small maybe paragraph or two, and then I would email it out. Uh, So now over 19 years later, (laughs) I never expected to still be doing this, but over 19 years later, now we're in year 20 of today's word. um, I still get up every morning, five days a week, and I put out the word. Now it goes out to thousands of people via email. It goes out in Spanish. I published uh, about four or five years ago. I started the video version. So after I write it and publish it and send it out via email and on the blog, then I record a video and I go live and people watch it live. Uh, They watch the live stream or they watch it on Facebook Live. And then I post it on on YouTube and Vimeo and it also goes into a a podcast and other things. So uh, long story short, I had no idea when the Lord told me almost 20 years ago to do this that I would still be doing it. Uh, But there are people that are faithful over the years, and I have a following by God's grace. There are people that listen to it and and either read it or watch it um, just about on every continent on the planet and uh, have a very large faithful following in uh, Africa and Australia and uh, the Middle East strong. I mean, just all over the world, so it's amazing.
1: And how many of those do you think are are folks in the military? I I, I want you to think about... Um, your experiences in the military and sharing your faith with people, any any things that, that you know, have stuck with you over the years yeah, uh, I, in terms I, of people you've encountered or just you've been surprised that someone has shared their faith with you that you might have never, you know, seen until they saw today's word, something like that.
0: Yeah, I'd like to, to see or hear from you how as you built your faith and grew in that and your career grew in parallel with that, How did you how did you intertwine these two things together?
2: Yeah, so, so it's interesting for me. It was never really hard for me um, because I never disconnected my faith from my persona. So um, everybody that knew me, that that has known me since August 27, 1995, pretty much, uh, unless you know the few people that have known me before then, pretty much everyone that met me after 1995 knew me to be a man of God. So I'm a man of God first, I, and I let people know I'm a man of God. I just happened to be in the Army when I was still in the Army. Mm-hmm. Um, so the army was not who i was the army was what i did um and i was thankful to do it and i was honored to do it and, and you know and i did it uh, and i enjoyed it every day and i did it for 25 years and, and i appreciate that but um but who i was is a man of god so because of that um god elevated me and and with today's word um you know not only did did my peers get it or subordinates would sign up and say, hey, chief, I hear that you put out this thing. Uh, can I sign up or sign me up or add me to the list or, you know, how do I sign up? But my my leaders would get it. And so it, it got to the point where, uh, I, you know, there would be several general officers and I'm talking, you know, one, two, three, four star generals that were reading the word of God that God would give me on a daily basis. Uh, and there were very, uh, oftentimes, there were critical and key positions that I knew people around the world, whether it be in Iraq or during the wars or in Korea during times of tension with North Korea, that, that leaders in these critical positions at the most senior levels were receiving the word of God through me, <laughs> this kid from Brooklyn, uh, and then uh, responding to it and saying, hey, Rick, man, thank you so much. That word was for me. You know, I needed it. Can you pray with me on this or pray with me on that? So I'm, I'm very thankful that today's word has kind of been a vehicle, a channel of A a vessel, a mechanism to be able to get the word of God into people that wouldn't otherwise I think really kind of be open to that thing and and what I appreciate about it is that God didn't call me to be a chaplain although I am called a pastor God didn't call me to be a chaplain uh, because you kind of expect it from a chaplain but because God graced me to be good at what my job was which is to be a network engineer and then God graced me to go to the highest levels in that that realm because I was respected in that realm that really that opened the door to the ministry and then vice versa. There were some people that just really respected me for being a man of God, and then they want to know what I did, you know, in my day job in the army. Or those that really knew me to be good at what I did in the army, then say, "Wow, but he's also a preacher." And then they would that they would uh, kind of be interested in that side of it as well.
1: Yeah, and, and it's amazing when you share your story of grace that people that you know it starts another conversation. Often they'll know you as someone who does business development or in sales, and you'll look at that person and you know you'll. I'll talk, we'll, Fred and I will talk about the radio show. And they'll say, hey, I, I want to talk to you about my faith. And how, having more of these conversations, even if you have a small voice, is just critical to helping you know, people that you meet on the street, right? They, you never know what kind of problem someone wants to talk to you about. Someone wants to talk about their faith. And yet people are so hesitant to do that as sort of people just in their daily lives. You, you uh, mentioned to me uh, when we were chatting that you know, once someone is a believer in God, they're a dead man walking this is kind of the same theme right once we adopt our faith once we are open to our faith we can share it with others and before that always seems like there's some resistance in people's lives tell us some thoughts about that this idea of the dead man walking
2: yeah so i mean i'm very clear that my life is not my own um and this is not something i preach this is how i live so i mean i do whatever the lord tells me to do however however he tells me to do it um but it's You know, from a dead man walking perspective, I'm going to use the Apostle Paul. Uh, So just uh, allow me a few minutes to kind of um, use the Apostle Paul as an example. Um, Because the Apostle Paul wrote half the New Testament, because he wrote so many books, uh, we have, we're fortunate that we can actually see his development, his growth in his writings. So we can see if we, if we pay attention, we could see where he was early in his walk with God and we can see the development over the years. So I'll give you an example of four scriptures from four books, and how the Apostle Paul grew, and I, and how I can attest to the fact that uh, I've experienced something similar. So early in in Paul's ministry, uh, public ministry, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter letter to the church in Galatia, and in that letter, Galatians two and twenty, he said that. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but it's not I, it's Christ that lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, I like to, let's just imagine, Sal, and and for those on the radio, let's just imagine a, a, a church sanctuary for a minute. So, imagine a church sanctuary, imagine you see the back of the church, you see the pews, you see where the congregation would sit, you see the pulpit, you see where the pastor and the preachers would sit, you see behind the pulpit there's a cross. And so, let's say that there's a cross up behind the pulpit. Uh, Now you're looking at that, Uh, imagine now that Paul starts off the journey up there on the cross with Jesus. So he's saying, I'm dead, I'm a dead man walking, I'm on the cross with Jesus, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, and that's how I I was. I know I was. And I think a lot of people are when they first give their life to Christ. You know, to me, I like to say for me, it was all Jesus, all capital letters. Right. I mean, so it was it was all the time Jesus. And uh, and I was telling everybody that they were going to hell. And I even told my mother she was going to hell. (laughs) And so so that's kind of like this, this immaturity that you have when you have the Bible says all this zeal with no knowledge. But later, Paul is writing. Now, watch this. This is interesting to see the, the growth and the prog- progression in the, in the life of the apostle Paul. So Paul is writing now to the church in Corinth, and he's writing to them, and he says something interesting. He says that he is an apostle, right? And later he acknowledges that he was called from his mother's womb to be an apostle. But he says, watch this. I'm Paul. I am an apostle, and I'm called to be an apostle. But he says, watch this. I'm not worthy to be an apostle. He says, because I persecuted the church. So now it's like he came down off the cross. He's in the pulpit with the other pastors, the other preachers. But he looks around and he says, you know what? Out of all these preachers, I'm the least. I'm not worthy. I'm not I shouldn't even be here. This is the message of grace. He says, I'm the least because I know of all the things that I did wrong. I wasn't there when when Jesus fed the five thousand with, with a little boy's lunch. I wasn't there when he said Lazarus come forth and Lazarus popped up like a mummy. I wasn't there when he and Peter walked on water. As a matter of fact, I was on the wrong team. I was persecuting the church and I was there. If there's anything, I was there. I was there when they stoned Stephen to death. And I wasn't old enough to to pick up a stone myself, but I held the, the coats of the men that were there. So I wasn't there. I'm not worthy, I am the least of the apostles. Then a couple of years later he's writing, and in another letter he says, You know what, I've considered this some more. Forget the cross, forget the pulpit. Now he comes out and walks into the congregation with all of the members, and he says that he is the he is less than the least of all saints. Right, so now he he's like, forget, I'm not up there with Jesus. I'm not in the uh, in the pulpit. I'm not. I'm I'm no better than anyone in the church. I'm no better than anyone else uh, uh, that names the name of Jesus. But what's interesting is that right before he died, one of the last letters he wrote, he wrote to his son Timothy, and he said, "This is a true statement and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom." I am chief. Mm -hmm. And so now, Sal, can you picture this? He He started up there on the cross. He got out of that. He went down into the pulpit. He was like, I'm the least. He went out into the congregation. He's like, I'm the least. And now he's standing outside of the church. And he's saying, I'm out here with the world. I'm out here with sinners. And not that I'm any better than any sinner. I'm saying I'm the chief of all sinners. Yep. And he said that right before he died. So what is the the message of grace? The message the message of grace going back to a dead man walking is that the closer you get to God, the less you think of yourself. The closer you get to God, the more you realize that that you are so far from anything worth saving. The closer you get to God, the more you realize, acknowledge, you have to give God glory for His amazing grace. You can't look down on anyone else because you know how jacked up you are. So if you, the when when I when I see a Christian that looks down on people is very judgmental immediately that tells me that that's a baby Christian because if you really know Jesus you would never look down on anyone else you really become a dead man walking so to me my life is is all about him I mean you know I, I it is in him that I live and I move and I have my being
1: yeah right, that's I love it and this is great as you talked about grace and we talk about every week on this show people who step outside of whatever they're doing and find that that passion, that service, that belief in God that leads them to do things. Be it, And I want to talk about this after our break, what you all are doing in, in the Dominican Republic where you're serving people of Haiti who are there, Haitians who are there and need you, and you've been called to do this. And how many of our guests have done that on this show? Rick, let's talk about the Rick and Isabella Paint Your Ministries and what you guys are doing because I want to spend these last 10 minutes or so with you Trying talking about how our listeners can get involved with Rick and Pay, with the Rick and Isabella Payne Ministries. What What are you guys doing down in the Dominican Republic and some other places?
2: Sure. So, so first, I'll say that uh, the Lord called me to preach. Uh, I knew that early on. I've been preaching uh, really since 1995. I was licensed in 1997. So, so we could say officially, I've been preaching for 20 years. But about 10 years into it, um, I had been doing so much ministry uh, with our own resources while we were in the army, my wife and I, and it wasn't like we were, you know, we, we didn't have a, a bunch of resources. So, so we were doing as much as we could, but people didn't have a way to kind of fund anything or partner with us or support us or anything like that. So we started a nonprofit in, um, in 2007, 10 years ago. So we started a nonprofit. Uh, then and we just kind of did it to, to be able to do more. And so from then to now, we've been able to kind of venture out and launch out and uh, and really seek to just be a blessing. Um, so in the Dominican Republic, the Lord led us a few years ago to uh, take over a few schools, kind of like the situation that's going on in the U.S. with um, undocumented aliens. Um, in, in 2010, um, the The Lord had us to send Isabella into Haiti when the earthquake happened. Yeah. Uh, so the earthquake happened, Isabella was in Iraq, and she told me, babe, I feel very strongly that I need to go. Um, and so thankfully we had a nonprofit, so we were able to, you know, use some of those resources. Isabella came back from Iraq and unlike, you know, conventional wisdom, which would be to kind of decompress from Iraq. She got back from Iraq and days later, she was in Haiti on a medical missions trip. Uh, ministering to people. She was there for about 10 days. She loved it. And when she came back, she said, babe, I want to, I know the Lord has called me to do missions. And so, uh, and the Lord gave her this, this vision of being a traveling missionary, not that we would go somewhere and, and stay, but she would just do missions off and on. So, so since then, uh, she goes to Haiti every year. We partner with Ezra Vision Ministries to go down to Haiti every August. She runs an English as a second language program there. We, we see kids saved, uh, come to Jesus. We feed them. We also teach them English. Uh, she's been to Dominica last year. She took a team to her island of Dominica. And then a few years ago, we in the Dominican Republic, because I've been doing several missions work in the Dominican Republic here and there with the prisons and uh, with nursing homes and et cetera, the Lord moved on my heart that uh, all these Haitians immigrated into the Dominican Republic. One million Haitians came over after the earthquake and they were given an opportunity to to get their paperwork to, to become citizens or aliens and like the situation that's happening in the U.S., many of them did not. And so Uh, They became undocumented aliens and that became a big challenge. And so their children were not allowed to go to school. Uh, so now you have pastors in the Dominican Republic who are Haitian pastors that say we can't lose these children. If a, if a child is 12 or 13, 14 years old and doesn't know how to read or write, then the chances are this person is going to not do good things, right? So so they started schools, and one thing led to another. We took over two schools. When we took them over, they, they were struggling. We moved them into new facilities. We're paying for all the teachers. Uh, we started with 120 students. Now we're up to 150. And so right now, by God's grace, the 150 students that we have. Have. We provide them a free education. We feed them every day to make sure that they get a good meal. Uh, every day they're with us, five days a week. We're teaching them a Christ-based education before they didn't even have books. We provide them books. Uh, we're providing them a great environment. We started a church there. We have local pastors there. The church is growing. So we're just very thankful uh, to be able to do what we're doing in the Dominican Republic, and we also do it other places, and we partner with other ministries to do things in other places. And to, to me, it's, it's all about partnership when you partner with somebody you can get more done uh and then you know there may be people listening today that say well you know i maybe uh i've never been there or uh, I I want to do something, but, you know, it's not on my heart to go. Well, you could partner with us or partner with someone else, but partner with the people that God has called to be a blessing. Because I do believe that we're supposed to be light and salt. We are supposed to make an impact. Thankfully, we go. We do a back-to-school drive every year. Last year, we, we handed out 300 backpacks full of school supplies. We do that every year. We provide uh, toys for Christmas for children that would not get toys.
1: Let me. When is your backpack drive coming up? Because school's ending, but it's going to have the summer, and then it's going to pick back up. Do they They follow the same school year. I think we do.
2: Yes. So we do our backpack uh, school drive in August of every year. So we'll we'll probably launch um, the donation site for that uh, in uh, June to give people a time. Uh, you know, an opportunity to partner with us on that. But every August, we hand out backpacks. Uh, we also feed, we take food out to the poor for Christmas time and other times. There's a there's a local prison uh, not too far from where I'm from in the Dominican Republic, in La Vega. And uh, every year in September, we feed all 1,000 prisoners. And then throughout the year, we feed sections of the prison um, two or three hundred inmates at a time, and we feed them several times throughout the year. So we're just thankful to be a blessing. We're just thankful to you know to 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 give back.
1: We've got about uh, five minutes or so as we're wrapping up. I want to ask you, um, you know, in, in about a minute or two, you know, uh, think about giving a call to action to to people in the military, um, to to young people, people who are listening to this show, who are sitting on the couch. They they to try something to do something. Give give a couple calls to action in about 2 or 3
2: minutes. Well, if you're if you're in the military or or not, uh but you're listening to this then chances are if you listen to Grace in 30, chances are that you're a believer. And if you're a believer then you should seek God concerning your purpose. Why you're not here just to suck in and blow out air, have a little fun and then die. You're here uh to find, follow and finish your purpose before you die. To 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 discover your divine assignment, to develop into your divine assignment, and then to deploy into your divine assignment. So if you are in the military, take advantage of that. Um, I, one of the greatest times of my life uh, you know, was overseas, and I pastored the gospel service in Bosnia in 1998, 1999, and it was amazing to see you know, people there on a deployment getting saved and delivered and baptized. I pastored the gospel service on Victory Base in Iraq in Baghdad in 2008 and 2009, and we were, we were baptized in Iraq and preaching Jesus in Iraq. So just take advantage of uh, the opportunities the military gives you. Uh, I like to say that the military funded my evangelism for many years. And so I went around and told people about Jesus all over the world. Uh, So every day, wherever you are, uh, if there's breath still flowing through your lungs, if there's, if there's uh, blood still flowing through your veins, then it is evidence that God is not through with you. And if you're still here is because purpose is still locked up inside of you and, and your your determination your dedication your goal should be to die empty to get out of you everything that god placed in you before you die
1: awesome wow Ed, our our 52nd week on the year man one year anniversary <laughs> what a way to what a way to close off this show
0: Rick, we actually have been so efficient right now. We've got another 40 or so seconds. Is there anything else on your heart you'd like to share with us in that time?
2: Well, I would just say that I am thankful for this opportunity. Uh, I'm always going to lift up the name of Jesus. And for everyone that's listening, if you would give yourself over to God and you give Him your availability, God is not looking for ability. He has all the ability. But if you give Him your availability, He will use you for His glory
1: ed what a way to kick off the month of may military month man we've got uh for mother's day we've got a purple heart recipient coming on as a mom we've got purple heart homes and then we close it out with the producers of the of unknowns a movie about the tomb of the unknown soldiers man it's just getting better and better here as we kick it off rick uh, thank you so much for being here uh, man i, I, I be, if we had a camera in here people see me jumping out of my seat in this show <laughs> If listeners want to find out more about the Rick and Isabella Pena Ministries, you can visit their website at ripministries.org. To receive Rick's Daily Word, get on that. Follow him on Twitter at Rick pina. You can also go to todaysword.org. We'll be posting more information about this on our Facebook and Twitter pages. A replay of this show can be found at the gracein30.com website and at wera.fm. 24 hours after tonight's hearing. You can also podcast it on iTunes. Uh, this show will also re-air this Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m. Ed, my man, talk us out of here.
0: Yeah, we thank you so much, Rick, for coming. We really appreciate it. Uh, this is Ed and Sal signing off from Grace and 30 on WERALP, Arlington 96.7 FM. Everybody have a great night, and be sure to tune into Grace.